This is the day which the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hello, Metro FM family. This is your brother Jonathan with DHL Ministries, Decisions, Habits, Lifestyle Ministries. The goal of promoting and developing discipleship in the body of Christ by teaching and guiding and encouraging people to read the word for themselves, to study the word for themselves, to memorize and meditate on the word of God themselves, thus growing in their personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we thank you for joining us today as you have for a while, twice a week on Metro FM, Wednesday evening and Sunday morning. And every time we get together, it's so exciting, family. I have to tell you, because the time in the Word and the way the Spirit of God moves for the timeliness of the message is a powerful thing for me to experience. And I pray that you're experiencing it as well. So today we're talking about something that confounds our normal way of thinking. You know, the transition going from being of the world to being of the kingdom of God is both a decision that we make in the beginning of conversion and as we decide to enter into discipleship, as we decide to be doers of the word and not hearers only, we gradually we're transformed by renewing our mind as we stay in the word, we learn God's character, then we can see his character coming through our lives. We can just experience this newness of life. We put off the old man and put on the new man. But our natural thinking often still gets in the way. And we try to process the things in the Word of God through our natural thinking. And we want to see its application in this vapor of a life with our finite understanding. And so basically the short answer is we often get things wrong and we're very passionate about our relationship with God. We're very excited about the things he is showing us and we're very sincere about believing that we're hearing from God when actually when we look back at it, we're making our own connectivities. Oftentimes we're being inconsistent with respect to interpretation and many of us have not been able to go through the fullest versions of seminary where these things used to be taught and now with schooling being such a business industry of getting a loan and exchanging that money from the loan for a curriculum and a certificate I don't think there's as much passion as there used to be even in those settings enough genuineness in those settings, enough goals or agenda of developing men of God in those settings. So we need to embrace this. The Bible is the full canon of Scripture. The New Testament was written for our understanding, to equip us, to help us to comprehend what's being demonstrated in the Old Testament, how it applies to our life in the New Testament. And it was all free. When you served in discipleship, it was free. You didn't pay for your 
activities you engaged, you studied under people who had already learned these things. Free family. So we encourage that growth and development and discipleship here. If you'll turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 7, the book of Judges, chapter 7, we're going to see a little something here that I pray begins to minister to you and serve you in a greater and greater capacity along the principle of when God decreases resources. Resources can be money, time, ability, resources, right? So we're reading from the book of Judges. This is the story of Gideon. And so we're starting in chapter 7, but it's actually chapters 6 through 8. Read the fullness of the whole story and be blessed. Verse 1 says, Then Jerubbabal, Jerubal, sorry, Jerubal, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that most of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. So here we're catching up with Gideon called a mighty man of valor as he was hiding in the threshing floors by an angel of God calling him into his role. And here we see Gideon being called to confront the enemy that has paralyzed the nation of Israel. Let's look in here um, in verse 2. So the Lord said to Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Let Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand. He said, Lest in Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand have saved me. So we're starting to lay the groundwork here for the principle of why God decreases resources. So Gideon was called, Gideon answered that, Gideon answered that calling, went through some proving times, and now is going to confront the enemy that has his nation captive, essentially trembling in fear. God stages the event and puts the enemy in the valley, which is the least uh, advantage in a war. If things or companies of people come up from above, it's hard for you to defend yourself in the valley. They have the advantage of their arrows or spears being launched in gravity, bringing them down to, with great force into your camp, as well as if you want to challenge them or try to stop them, you'd have to go uphill, which uses energy and makes you more vulnerable to their attack. So he already staged this event, but he says to Gideon something that is somewhat of a head scratcher. He says you have too many people. Now, Gideon was happy to have the people he had, and compared to the Midianites, they were still a few people. The Midianites were vast majority and many, many, many soldiers had a reputation as well. So God, within this chapter, gives him a couple of tasks to reduce the number down to 300. And it's very interesting to study this out and consider things well as to why God would do that in the way he did it. Nevertheless, the Lord tells him, hallelujah, uh, in verse 7, And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lap will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go that every man to his place. So the people took victuals in their hand, their trumpets, 
and he sent them and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, retained those 300. The men of Midian was beneath him in the valley. The host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. Remember that. And it came to pass the same night, in verse 9, that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear, go down. To go down, go thou with Phura, thy servant, down to the host. And he did. He goes with Phura. Very interesting revelation here that Gideon was afraid. Fear is real. But God gives us courage and boldness and confidence in him. And he goes down and investigates. And when he comes up, he hears a few dreams about how they feel about God's people and the army. And he comes back up. So verse 16, he divided the 300 men into three companies, put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. Listen, listen, family. And he said to them, look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow a trumpet, and I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of the camp, and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the, the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets, break the pitchers that were in their hands. And there were three companies followed suit, blew the trumpets, break the pitchers that were in their hands, and held the lamps in their left hands, and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all, and they cried the sword of the Lord and with Gideon. So understand what's going on here, and you can get a sound example from your computer, search the sound of broken pottery or broken plates, and I would invite you to listen to this. Listen to the broken plates and pottery sound effects and picture soldiers with metal armor on or soldiers with shields that clash together when they come in close proximity, like when they stand at attention. And I want you to realize that soldiers and platoons and legions only had one trumpeter for every so many soldiers, however far the sound of a trumpet could go so that communication and the orders could be relayed. So picture the sound of shields or armor coming together in attention in a big group, sounding like pitchers being broken or dishes being broken. And realize that both a trumpet and a lamp or a torch were only so many people in a group so they can see their way. It wasn't every person. And now picture this enemy down in a valley listening up into the mountains. And then they see the torches all of a sudden. They didn't see them before because they were in the vessels. And then they hear the trumpet blast. They hear the broken vessels, which they may have thought was armor or shields coming together. And they see on every angle on all the hillside above them are all of these torches They've heard the sounds of soldiers, so they may think, and they hear the trumpets, a lot of trumpets, all in unison, and saying the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So fear embraced them. They had a strategic disadvantage. They heard these sounds. They saw, they did the math in their mind. 
How many soldiers must there be if we see so many torches? How many soldiers must there be if we've heard this much when they get together? How organized they must be. They're all around us. How many soldiers must there be if we heard all these horns and saw these torches and heard these things? And so Gideon, by the direction of God, went down into the valley. Tens of thousands of people died in that battle. And so why does God restrict resources? Well, this story, as you read the whole story, chapters 6 through 8 in Judges, is talking about God's ways are not our ways. How many times do we see that? Gideon was sensitive and obedient to the wisdom of God, and there's no way those few 300 men could take credit for the tens of thousands of people that died of the most feared group of people in that region. God provided the victory. Now let's look at application in our lives, right? Because this story is a true account. This really happened, but these lessons transcend time. So you ask God for more time with him. You ask God for more time in his word, and what happens? Immediately, your time is challenged. You have commitments you can't get out of. You have things that come up. You don't have more time with God. You might even have less time with God. So your church declares they want to extend the ministry, build a new chapel, open up a new branch of service to the community, and they need more resources. What happens? Sometimes the tithes decrease, the offerings decrease, and so we have to try to have bake sales and stir up more donations for what God has shown us. At times it can become a stress on the church. They get tired of hearing it. You have a couple of worship songs and say we have to read some messages. We have to share some announcements. And you go on and on about taking in more donations and being all in so you give more and more because God has called us through this. Well, what God has shown you in vision, God will provide in finance. That's real. We don't have to resort to worldly tactics to get or guilt people into giving to God. And so if you ask for more resources and the resources decrease, it could be that God is trying to teach you dependency on Him to deliver those resources in a way that you can't take credit for. So He may either Himself do it or allow the enemy to decrease our resources for the sake of increasing our faith in Him. I want more time with you, God, you become busier. I want more money for what you've shown me, God, and you get less donations. What else? You want to share more with God your gifts and you get less opportunity. Look, family, try to see this principle that we're talking about. It's quite possible in those times of drought and famine when you don't have all that you think you need that God's trying to get more glory, all the honor. He's trying to shine out because if you do it by your ways, you're likely to believe it's you that did it. But if God does it in a way you couldn't do, or in the timing at the last minute, or if God does it in a way that's bigger than you could afford and you get favor, this is all because God wants us to share that He's our provider. He's the one. Amen? So think of these principles as you read the story of Gideon 6 through 8, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8. Think about how he fulfilled 
what God had asked him to, even if it was unorthodox or atypical the way God wanted it done. Gideon rose to the occasion, had a few challenges. Clearly he was afraid at one point, but God provided a way. And amazingly, they had tremendous victory over the Midianites, setting a whole people free. So whatever you're struggling with today, think of these things well. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let's talk you through a conversion process. First, you have to be willing to turn from your old ways, realizing that the best person in life without Jesus Christ is wicked in God's eyes. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none that is righteous, no, not one. We need the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to make us right with God the Father. Recognizing that, admitting it, and owning it is the first step. The second step is to believe, but that means more than words. That means to trust and rely and depend upon Jesus as much as you can now and more and more as you learn about him. And confession to other people is just making a statement of your new loyalty to God that you want to change. Ask your friends to help you to change. Find some Bible-believing, church-attending, blessed people. Tell them you want to change, help to renew your mind, share the word with you, what church do they go to, that kind of thing. And get yourself into discipleship from conversion, accepting Christ as your Savior, repenting, turning from your evil ways, and reading your word into discipleship, where you cut all strings from things that are non-productive and leading you closer to God. You read your study and memorize and meditate on your word more and apply yourself at your church. This is what we're here for, that that lifestyle in Christ would come through you and demonstrate to everybody that he's real, he's living, he's alive today, and you can go to sleep with certainty that you are saved in Jesus Christ. I thank you all so much for joining. If you want to join our WhatsApp group, I'll give you the phone number here. You can call or text the WhatsApp group. Our group is not a dialogue. Our group, we do not chat back and forth on our group. We just send the notes and send the link for this broadcast when it's available after it's aired. We use it for information sharing. So join the WhatsApp group and get the notes. Join the WhatsApp group and get the link to listen to the podcast of this, this uh, airing right now. And get saturated, deeply entrenched in the Word. Grow into your discipleship. Now's the acceptable time, amen? Don't hesitate. The phone number is 260-97-583-6324. That's 260-97-583-6324. Amen. We'll see you next time, Wednesday night, and of course next Sunday. God bless the people of Metro FM. Talk about them. They have some wonderful ideas for change and connectivity with you guys that we're still discussing um, to make this something new, more personal, more timely. So keep that in prayer. May God bless and keep all of the Metro FM staff and their families. And may God guide you to a deeper relationship with him. Right now, real stuff, not religion, but relationship. We'll talk with you next time. God bless you all. Thank you.